murder, divorce, drugs. Our courts are full of stories, scary, sad, and hilarious. Most are tales stranger than fiction. These are true law stories, brought to you by VideoCaseStory.com, the ultimate resource for customer and client video stories. Welcome to True Law Stories. I'm Garlic here, and today we're going to talk some interesting employment law stuff and some interesting stuff about uh, the Americans with Disability Acts, uh, specifically, um, you know, helping people get into where they need to. Great stories. I've got an amazing employment law attorney from Fort Lauderdale, Michael Elkins. Michael, thank you so much for being on the show. No problem. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. And we're going to talk a little bit also about uh, the law and vaccine, a little controversial topic. But uh, before we get started, this is brought to you by VideoCaseStory.com. One of the best ways to promote your business, whether you're a law firm or any type of business, is through video case stories, not testimonials. If you need video case stories, go to VideoCaseStory.com. Michael, so uh, before we get into the stories, uh, tell me a little bit about how you got into employment law. Yeah, you know, I wish I had sort of like a sexy story to go with that but the fact of the matter is it was purely by chance you know i in law school after the first year grades come out right the law students who are in the top whatever percent get the opportunity to interview with these firms and so i was lucky enough fortunate enough to be one of those students and i got a job i got an offer the only offer actually um from a labor and employment management sort of kind of silk stocking boutique law firm in Miami at the time that was called Muller Mints. They're no longer around. And um, so I, I fell into it. I just got lucky, um, but it turned out to be a great area of the law. So it was fun and, um, and I've stuck with it for the last 20 years. I always think employment law is interesting too, because I mean, there's obviously both sides to it, employer problems, employee problems, but it's, it's something that pervades everyone's life, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's the, I say it's the best area of the law that a lawyer could ever be involved in. And so, you know, there's two parts to it, right? There's the labor side, which is the union side and the and sort of public sector stuff, which I do a lot of in the state of Florida, I represent, you know, cities and municipalities. And then there's the private side, which is traditional employment law. And they're both um, collectively, kind of like triage 24 seven, you know, you hear all these lawyers talk about how boring their job is and it's like mundane and it's the same. Can we swear on this? Can I swear yeah, sure. Swear. It's the same shit every day. Right. And employment law is just not like that. It's, it's like I said, triage 24 seven clients call the questions are unique always. Right. Cause every employee's got their own story. And I do predominantly management. So predominantly representing companies, although I do represent employees if it's a good case. And that's actually, which reminds me of a great story that I have that I didn't even tell you about in pre-production. And that's the one we're going to talk about actually. Oh um, man, I love it. I'm, <laughs> so, I love it. Um, oh yeah, it's a good one. So, um, you know, it's it's awesome because you're you have to get intimately involved with your clients, right? You're constantly talking to them you're, you're flexing your brain 24 seven because everything's unique. And it's like sort of a, I don't want to say it's a higher level of law. I don't mean that to be sort of disparaging to other levels, but it's, you know, it's us Supreme court stuff. It's federal court, right? It's, and it's ever changing. It's an ever changing dynamic. These laws are not simple. 
you know, no. the anti-discrimination laws, the Family Medical Leave Act or the Medical Leave Federal laws, um, you know, the wage and hour laws, they're, they're I don't want to say difficult, but they have their own, its own universe. So an outside lawyer who doesn't do this all the time ha would have a tough time. And so you have to answer a lot of questions constantly. And the advice you're giving is real. Mm -hmm. So you have a real impact, whether you're handling it for an employee or an employer, they're going to do what you say, mostly. Some of them don't. But most <laughs> of them do. And so your intimate, you know, your, your decision-making matters. And more importantly, you are truly, I mean, if I do anything else, I mean, I litigate, that's primarily what I do, but I'm more of like a problem solver on a day-to-day -day basis. The clients that get the best of me are the clients that are using my services to call me before we have to litigate, before there's a problem. I always tell people, I don't know if you saw Pulp Fiction, yeah. so the listeners that saw Pulp Fiction will get this reference, right? Like, you know, I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. Like, that's <laughs> what I do. And that's what a good employment lawyer does. Uh, well, hopefully you're not quite at that level of cleaning up, <laughs> cleaning up brain. You're cleaning up figurative brains, not literal brains. Correct. Correct. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it is ever changing. I think that's what people don't realize too, because, you know, I've worked with a lot of other employment law attorneys over the years and, and it's the law is changing. It changes by state to state and federally too. Um, yeah. And, you know, wh where do you see people's biggest, you know, from most of most people listening to this are probably employees. Uh, where do you see most people's employees biggest misconceptions about their rights as an employee? That they have lots of rights. <laughs> That's a big misconception, right? I mean, you know, I, I get calls frequently, right? I'm the victim of harassment. Okay, tell me what happened. Well, my boss is mean. He or she yelled at me. He or she doesn't <laughs> listen to me. I told them they should be running it this way and they do it this way. Okay. And yeah, and I say, okay, did they, they didn't do it your way and you're pissed off? Yeah, and, and they're doing it the wrong way and that's costing the company money. Okay, I don't know what to tell you. Like, that's not harassment. Like, I, I'm <laughs> that's <sorry>. business. <laughs> that's just, yeah, like the courts are very clear that the anti discrimination laws are not general civility codes, right? So, your boss yelling at you occasionally, your boss being mean to you, interpersonal conflict, right? You know, employee A doesn't like employee B, and the employer says, look, one of you's got to go, and you're the one that goes. Sorry. And the big one is, well, they said that I did this whatever this thing is, right? And I didn't do it. It's just the, the other employees lying. I, I don't know what to tell you. What, <laughs> you know, they can do that. Like you, the employment at will doctrine, right? You can be let go for any reason, no reason or a bad reason, right? So I could, an employer could say, look, we don't like people that wear blue checkered shirts and blue hats. You're out of here. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> right, as long as, now here's the catch, right? As long as the employer's not covering up for some prohibited reason. And the prohibited reasons are super limited, right? They have to be discriminating based on what we call protected classes. And those classes are small in number, race, religion, national origin, age, disability, gender, sexual orientation. And I'm sure I'm leaving one or two out, but those are the big ones, right? So unless your employer is getting rid of you for those types of things, or, because you maybe complain that the employer is violating some law, rule, or regulation, so they retaliate against you. Other than that, you don't have a lot of rights. 
as an employee? You, you just don't. I mean, there are some. I'm not saying you have none, but I think to answer the question in a shorter way, the biggest misconception of employees is that they, they are vested with all of these rights. And that's just yeah. not the case. Yeah. So when people complain about not having enough snacks in the kitchen, <laughs> running out of snacks, that you can't sue, right? Not going to get it. I had a guy complain the other day that he drove a car and the car didn't have the air conditioning and he complained and they fired him for complaining. I said, Hey, I don't know what to tell you. Like, that's not, oh, but that's a safety hazard. I'm like, it's, it's not really a safety hazard. It's inconvenient. Yes. It's Florida. It's hot. They probably should have air conditioning, but you're yeah. you here. So, yeah, no, no, that's it, it. It is interesting because it does touch everyone's life, but there are cases and now it's, it's crazy, right? It, over the past two years with the pandemic, it's changed a lot. Hasn't it? I mean, certainly the pandemic thrusted or thrust employment law into the spotlight, kind of like the likes of which we hadn't seen in a long time. Uh, I know for me personally, once the first set of employment laws were passed by Congress in March of 2020, you know, the Family First Coronavirus Response Act, right, which contained the emergency family medical leave and the paid sick leave law, right? Um, I was spending a lot of time educating my clients on what those laws meant and how they worked because prior to that, we had never had mandated paid sick leave on a federal level, right? Mm -hmm. Other states do it individually, but you know, I'm in Florida, we don't have state Florida sick leave. And so, yeah, you, you had a lot of questions about that. You had a lot of questions about dealing with COVID, right? Can I be fired for COVID? Can I be fired for traveling? I mean, that was the big thing when COVID first broke, right? Before the lockdowns, you know, if you traveled, could your employer say, look, you just traveled to a hot spot, they were calling it. Mm-hmm. You're out, you know, all that type of stuff. And then it sort of evolved into what to do with these sick leave laws. And now here we are a little over a year later, or a year and six months later, and employment law is still front and center with the vaccine. And where's that all? Screen? So it's, yeah. a lot. it's a lot. And so this is, I mean, I, I, I like stories, but I'm really curious about the, you know, you're an expert in can, can vaccines been ma- may be mandated and can they? Who yeah. can mandate them? Yeah. Okay. So private employers across the United States of America can mandate that employees get vaccinated. And the, the consequence of not getting vaccinated could be termination subject to two limitations. One is if the employee has a needs an accommodation under the Americans with Disabilities Act, which might look something like they're allergic to the vaccine, can't take it. So the employer's got to accommodate that, that's one. And then two is for a bona fide religious exemption. The key phrase there being bona fide. So, you know, a letter from your priest probably is not going to cut it, especially since you probably were not taking off a whole bunch of days in the entirety of your employment career for whatever religion your priest or whatever your particular (laughs) person is writing you a letter on, right? So it's gotta be a bona fide religious exemption. So um, other than that, yes, private employers can mandate vaccination. That's been decided by a number of federal courts. I'll point out to people the, the first challenge to that federally came in Texas, right? In Houston, you had, I think, 100 and some odd medical personnel at a hospital, I think primarily nurses, but don't 100% quote me on that, uh, challenged the hospital's mandatory vaccination law. There was a wonderfully written six-page opinion by a traditionally conservative Texas federal court judge who said, look, this is, this, this is garbage, guys. Like, 
employers can mandate vaccination. Vaccinated or unvaccinated is not a protected class, right? Remember, we just, mm-hmm. if you're listening, you can just scroll back about three minutes in the pod. I outlined the protected classes, vaccinated or not vaccinated, it's not one of them. You know, arguments like, well, I'm being coerced, I'm being forced. You're not, because you can choose to not work there and you can yep. go work with an employer that, and it's no different, no different than. I don't want to wear a shirt and tie to work. Great. Then you're not going to work in a certain office, right? <laughs> yeah. I, want to, I don't want to work outside. Okay. You're not going to work construction. Employers are allowed to set requirements. Employees have to follow those requirements subject to certain limitations. So um, private sector vaccination is, is a, you know, I consider it to be a well-decided area of the law now. If a state level, I mean, we're both in Florida, if at the right. state level, they say you can't mandate vaccines for an employer, which takes precedent. Well, the state of Florida hasn't done that yet. They stopped short of doing that. Um, what they did do, you know, uh, the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, recently came out and said if public sector employers, so the, the local counties, municipalities, and cities mandated vaccination, he's going to fine them under Florida's anti vaccine passport law, different law. Florida um, instituted a law early on that said businesses, private businesses could not require proof of vaccination in order for customers to get take use of those services. So a restaurant can't say, can't eat here unless you show me a vaccine card, can't do that. Part of that law has a provision, it's one sentence, that says governments can't issue these vaccine passports because they're prohibited and can't require citizens to produce proof of vaccination to obtain the government services effectively, right? To go in the buildings and do things like that. So the governor is traveling under this sentence and effectively saying, you know, the law was aimed at government operation. And so if you require employee vaccination, you're effectively hindering government operation. We're going to fine you that. I don't think, I think that's a bad legal argument. If he actually finds a county or a local government, it'll get tested in the courts and we'll see. Uh, I don't think Florida is going to do anything about um, employer vaccination for private employers at a state level. They would have to amend the state anti-discrimination law, which is called the Florida Civil Rights Act. And that law is specifically basically the same as the federal law. It has been for 20 years or however long it's been in effect. So I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to stay the same. And just a quick reminder, everyone, I know we usually talk stories and, you know, we just talked a little bit about legal advice. Talk to an attorney. This is not advice, direct advice to you. Thank you. So (laughs) I'm not giving anyone legal advice. This is for entertainment purposes only. I'm not speaking to anyone's specific situation. If you're an employer, please don't just go, issuing a vaccine policy because you heard this podcast you, yeah. there's a lot of things you would need to do but you certainly can you know reach out if you need that help and and if you need to reach out to an employment lawyer go to mlelawfirm.com <laughs> um and I, yeah no problem I, i've done this once or twice and right you know, <laughs> uh Way to I, don't, tee it up. <laughs> I don't want i don't want any of us getting any uh any papers in the mail bad papers yeah, in sure. the, um so Okay, so COVID, you know, and that's interesting. And um, 
And, but it's, it, you know, we're not allowed to discriminate. It's, is this law that the state of Florida put in constitutional being that, you know, a private business is allowed to do what they want by saying, you you know, you ask a very good question. So recently a federal court here in the, in the United States district court for the Southern district of Florida, the law was struck down as to the cruise lines. So the cruise lines challenged the law and won at the lower court level. Now, I don't know if the governor's office has appealed. I I presume they will or they have. Uh, So the law was struck down as unconstitutional, but only as to the cruise lines because they were the ones who uh, challenged it. It may very well be unconstitutional uh, to all other businesses, but quite frankly, like what practically speaking, I'm not sure any business is going to challenge it unless they're really serious about requiring vaccination, which is going to be limited to a cruise line, really. Yeah. The only other businesses I could think that might have wanted to do that, and I don't know if they did, but thinking from a practical standpoint, like a Disney or stadiums, but that didn't yeah. happen. So I don't think we're going to see anything further on that. I'm interested because actually, I like complete side note, I have tickets to the Grateful Dead concert or Dead and Company with John Mayer, and they're requiring back proof of vaccination. I wonder Where? if they're uh, Tampa. Oh, really? To get into yeah. the venue? Yeah, to get in the stadium. Now, that was before when I bought the tickets. Yeah, that so might have been it. I, I wonder if they've changed that. I'll have to check. I'll let yeah, you all know. I don't know. <laughs> but so, I, you know, I, I know you have a, a surprise story. Let's save that for the end because I, sure. I want to get into the Paralympian one and I want to I want my surprise to save for the end too. So tell yeah. me about this Paralympian that you, you're represented. Yeah, so uh, she's a super interesting person. Her name is uh, Sean Cheshire and um, she's competed for the United States Paralympics team. And um, she had a really interesting case where she, you know, obviously she works out. Um, a lot because she's a Paralympian and she was working out at LA Fitness and to keep it, I'll keep it very brief. She normally would work out there with a friend or, you know, whoever, and she just wanted the opportunity when someone wasn't in town to go with her to be able to still use the gym the same way that someone else would. And, and all she needed really was someone to, you know, kind of get her from point A to point B within the gym, Right and hand her whatever the particular weight weights were. So if she needed the 30 pound dumbbells, they could hand her the 30 pound dumbbells because she can't see the weights. Yeah. Right? And then of course, if she wanted to use a particular piece of equipment, she needed somebody to guide her to that and then make sure no one was on the equipment. And it was interesting because LA Fitness refused to do it. it and not only did they refuse to do it, she, you know, tried to work it out in advance of having to actually file a lawsuit. There was, you know, a bunch of things happening in advance of that. Still refused to help her, had to file a lawsuit. And throughout the lawsuit, really just put up this extraordinarily aggressive defense, including at the trial. So we ended up having a two-day arbitration during the pandemic, by the way, which mm. we did in person, uh, socially distanced. And with masks and all. Well, actually, I don't think we had masks, but we were all socially distanced. And um, even took the position at the trial, they challenged that she was even blind. What? I know. It was really extraordinarily bizarre strategy. Yeah. And I could could go on and on about, I'm very unclear as to what they're basically. No no pun intended. (laughs) 
But yeah, yeah, no, no, no pun intended. Um, I mean, you know, there was there was one moment, sort of my kind of Perry Mason moment in the trial, which was sort of the story I wanted to tell. I guess it's like just maybe it's a lesson in, I don't know, cross-examination. So they put on a witness who was like the manager of the particular facility at issue, right? And, and they're the LA fitness lawyers questioning him. And one of the issues in the case was the dumbbells, right? She needs someone to hand her those dumbbells because she can't see them, which is logical. So one of the things we talked about was could maybe putting braille on the dumbbells, which would help her. And this guy is on the witness stand, and, you know, they lay this, this, you know, background of he's been in the fitness industry for whatever, 20 years, you know, Mr. He's like captain fitness, right? And they ask him, have you ever seen, have you ever even heard of Braille on dumbbells? And he just sits there kind of like, no, I've never, I've, I've never seen that in my whatever, however many years of experience, just smug. And yeah. I'm sitting across just like maybe you and I are now, and I've got my computer and I'm like, that doesn't sound right. And I've got to cross-examine him. So I just do a quick Google search, Braille on dumbbells and get like a zillion websites that pop up. <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy. So they finished the cross, the direct examination. And my first questions are, you know, okay, so you obviously you're very experienced. Yes. And you've been in the fitness industry a long time, haven't you? Yes, I have. And you, you didn't research though, Braille on dumbbells, did you? No, no, but I've, I've been around. So I kind of have a good idea. I go, yeah. So I spun my laptop around, pushed it to him, you know, not aggressively and said, I'd like you to read this website, please immediately the other lawyer freaks out. And I say, I just would like to inform the arbitrator that this is a website that I got to with a one second Google search that's that are weights with Braille on them. And the <laughs> lawyer's freaking out. And I knew I had it because the arbitrator, lawyer's like, this is, I object judge. And the arbitrator goes, no, 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 no. I want to see this. It's up from his chair, walks around and it's like, show me this website. And, you know, it went from there. I mean, it was just, <laughs> kind of bizarre. The whole thing was bizarre. And at the end of the day, um, I mean, one of the other things they did, I'll just add this in, they tried to make it look like our client couldn't read Braille. So during her cross-examination, they whipped out a children's book, put it in front of her and made her read the Braille to, oh my to God. prove she could read it right, which was not only ridiculous because she was able to read it, but made them just look, I thought, kind of disingenuous. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. and I don't think you need to be like a Harvard law grad to kind of analyze that and be like, you know, maybe that's not the route to go here. So, I mean, especially from like a, it's a Paralympian from a public relations standpoint, I would be like, this is my business. I'm going to go hire someone to take her around. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, like it could have been the exact opposite. So ultimately, at the end of the day, we ended up getting a 23 or 24 page decision from the arbitrator, and we won every issue. Um, just it was a bloodbath complete bloodbath what what was I, I mean just you know being a business owner it's like you pick your battles right and yeah yeah and, and let me, i just have to add it this case came to me from my colleague and best friend and guy who i we have separate law firms that we practice with joshua enton of enton law group so i don't want to i don't want to take credit where credit isn't due i mean i played a role in it but it was it was really Josh's client and Josh's case. And he did me the honor of having me co-counsel it with him. Um, so I just want to make sure that's in there. But yeah, I mean, anyone that I tell this story to says the same thing you said, which is like, what, why were they, what was this about? <laughs> like, 
it didn't really make sense. It, it still, to this day, it doesn't make sense to me. It no. really doesn't. Because she no. didn't want to go through all this. She really no. She just wanted... One of the things that happened, there was a meeting, right, before the lawsuit was even filed. There was this big meeting to try to resolve it. And one of the things somebody from the other side said to her was, and this is stunning. So she has this guide dog, Nick, right, who's everything that you'd imagine a guide dog to be, right? He's a big, humongous German shepherd, right? Yeah. The dog's so smart, could probably change your light bulbs and clean your pool. And <laughs> the person, this person on the other side says to her, well, you use your guide dog to get around other places. Why you can use your guide dog at the gym? What? Right. Like your your expression is everyone else's expression. Like is is the dog going to like pick up the weights? <laughs> like understand <laughs> this. Like is the German Shepherd that smart that it can figure out twenty five pound dumbbells versus the? Th- I mean, it was kind of crazy all the way around. Oh my god! And and this um since it was ADA Americans with Disability Act was a, f- a federal case. I'm assuming. Yeah, it was initially filed in federal court, but then there was an arbitration, uh, arbitration on the membership. So it went to arbitration. Then once we won, we filed it, refiled the, the decision. This is kind of boring lawyer stuff in federal court. So it is public. Gotcha. Okay. So it was arbitration. So it wasn't quite because I mean, from not a like, national claim. Yeah. No. yeah it's, so, it's very specific to one facility, but still, it's still, yeah. you know, it's actually ridiculous. Yeah. Because I, People don't realize federal court's very expensive. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It is. It's, it's, not a, it's not a $500 trip to court. No. Um, <laughs> no, it's not. That's what, I mean, boggles my mind too. It's like time, resources. The amount of time you spent here, you're like, you could have like, you could built her own like personal gym inside of LA Fitness for her. <laughs> well, we ended up getting an award of attorney's fees, so... Nice. Uh, that was a good thing. Yeah. Good. Awesome. Well, congrats. That's interesting. I mean, it's great. You know, you stand up for because that's why that ADA is there. We, you know, uh, and I, I get a little frustrated because people are like, well, they should have their own thing, whatever. I'm like, no, there's just people that have bad luck. And, you know, we, we should yeah. support them. And look, there definitely are abuses of the ADA accessibility law. I mean, there's no question about that. Like, I'm not, I wouldn't sit here and say, every one of these ADA cases is a viable case. No, there's a lot of abuse. There are a lot of lawyers that have abused that law. It's definitely been cannibalized into something it wasn't meant to be. You know, these yeah. these fake, what I like to call fake plaintiffs that go into places oh. just for the purpose of nailing them. And they do it, they file like 40 lawsuits in a row of like, mm-hmm. 40 to, that, that's not me, I don't do that. Um, yep. This was not that case. This exactly. was a unique standalone situation and a very legitimate claim where somebody really needed an accommodation was not doing it to, you know, uh, test the facility or with any idea of getting anything out of it other than just some help at the end of the day. I mean, that's really all she was asking for was some basic assistance. Yeah. And it does suck that people abuse it. And I think that that's horrible. Um, And but this to bring it back, because I know a lot of employers have been victims of what you're talking about, like the drive by ADA lawsuits and which Mm -hmm. is horrible. It's terrible. This is the this is this is why this is in place, not for that. And this Uh, is not that lawsuit. She had been a member there for years and had gone to the facility many times. It was just that when she didn't have a companion, she would need someone else and she should be able to go to that facility when she didn't have a companion, just like you or I could do. Yeah. And that's what this is about. 
Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, congrats on that. And uh, so tell me about this next story. Cause I'm, I'm curious. I have no idea about it. So I do primarily employer work, but if it's the right situation for an employee, I'll do it. And I take a lot of calls on employee cases and I love talking to people, but I only take a small amount of them. Um, but this was the, I put this in the story of employers behaving badly. This was pre pandemic. Um, I'm not going to give away, I'm going to change the names and change some of the players because of confidentiality. But so I had a young architect uh, at an architecture firm. Um, it wasn't a young architect, but I'm changing it. So, you know, but, but gotcha. professional, right. And um, it was, it was a family run business, right. And what happened was I, I knew the particular person for years through, through other things. And I get a call and the, the point is, you know, Hey, I got a question. The, there's the, my boss seems to know stuff about me that I don't really know if, if he or she should know. I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, like I, you know, I went rock climbing the other weekend and I came into work on a Monday and they were like, Oh, how was rock climbing? And there's Ooh. really kind of no way they could know that. And I'm like, ah, yeah, but maybe they saw it on social media. No, I didn't post it on. I said, look, you know, the world is very small and, you know, it could be anything, right? Someone could have seen you there. I don't really think it's a big deal. And I kind of blew it off, quite frankly. And uh, then this particular person leaves and goes to a different firm, uh, actually is going to go out on their own and then go to a different firm and um, was like doing some work for some, for, for a friend, like on a house renovation, like on the side. Right. And, but using like their private email and sure enough, it come to find out, um, the, there's a letter, an email goes to the friend, the former employee's friend from the employer. And the employer's like, Hey, we know that so-and-so did some work for you. And they did that while they worked here. And we need to look at that because we're ultimately responsible. But the problem is my client didn't use the company email. My client, he used his own personal email, his, his Yahoo account. Yeah. And so we were like, what the hell? And as it turns out, the employer was snooping my client's private email account and using it against him after he left, including slandering him, telling people that he committed fraud when he didn't. And here, which is right, stunning. Oh so what God. he must have done is he must have used it on the work computer, right? And then not checked out with his password. And so when they got on his computer, they were able to see it. That's what I surmise. But here's the best part. So we send the letter. We say, look, you can't do, you're doing all these things. I mean, they clearly defamed him with respect yeah. to his work, right? No question about it. It's not questionable. And so we figured, look, we'll send this demand letter. It'll be fine. We'll settle this case. It'll, you know, we'll make this all good. Oh no. So we send this letter, very, very detailed, 10 pages. And there's other problems too. There's wage and hour issues. There's a whole lot of stuff going on. And um, the offender doesn't hire a lawyer initially and writes us back, basically like, <laughs> writes us back with LOL. And this was my colleague, Josh and I did, right, LOL. And then, in, wait, here's the best part, includes a GIF of Adam Sandler, like laughing at us. What? Yes. I was like, I'm, like, I'm gonna swear again. I called my buddy Josh. I'm like, 
Can you believe this motherfucker? Like this guy is really like an idiot. Like what an idiot. Yeah, double, he doubled down, doubled down. And then like sent another email to my client's friend who he had done the work for anyway. Yeah, it turned out they were snooping it. And then they screwed around on the settlement. So we ultimately had to file a lawsuit to get it done. We ended up settling it like immediately thereafter. Yeah. Um, once the lawyer got involved. <laughs> exactly. Once the lawyer comes around, yeah, they, they ended up the hiring. Yeah. And I knew the lawyer. The lawyer calls me and is like, hey, man. I was like, hey, what's going on? And he's like, so this is interesting. <laughs> right. And, and, and here's the thing. The case probably isn't that big a deal if at the time they get the letter, they kind of are like, whoa, what's going on here? And they reach out to us and they're like, hey, man, yeah, no, we'll, we'll work it out. It's still a big deal, but it's not as big a deal. But when you double down like that, when you like take the position that this is bullshit and no way, and, and then you continue defaming the person. Well, now you've turned something that could have been ended easily now you've now you've like you know uh, that's like daenerys burning king's landing at that point right like now yeah. you've pissed everybody off you've pissed off our client and you've kind of basically like made it seem like everything you did was okay and that that's what made it even worse like they handed us better evidence on a silver platter yeah yeah i mean yeah. folks folks when you get letters from attorneys you don't respond I know it's nuts. <laughs> it's nuts. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, oh, that was a fun man, one. Man, that's crazy. Yeah. That cra I mean, what, when you open, what was your reaction when you opened it? I mean, I can't imagine I'm like, would I so, be angry or when you get the LOL? It's kind of, in it's interesting because I remember it so vividly, you mentioned my podcast earlier, I think when we were off air, I was yeah. in Fayetteville, Arkansas, interviewing uh, Arkansas Razorbacks head basket, men's basketball coach, Eric Musselman. So we sent the letter in the morning, like before I went to go interview coach. So I go interview coach. I do this wonderful day at Arkansas with coach Moss. And he says to me, you know, hey, Mike, if you want to go work out, you can use the facility. I was like, oh, my God. Yes. Right. So I use the men's basketball facility to work out. I finish my workout. I pick up my phone. And that's when we got his email. So I, I just remember it because it was such a great day. And I was at Arkansas, you know, and my reaction was just kind of, as I said, I called my buddy Josh and I was like, this motherfucker, like this yeah. guy is an idiot, like an idiot. And yeah. kind of went on for like a couple of weeks before a lawyer got involved, which was pretty uh -huh. stunning. That is just crazy. I'm like, oh, I would, I would, I don't know. I, I'd like lose my temper, start laughing. I would, I don't know. I didn't lose <laughs> my temper. I just was like, wow, this is incredibly poor decision-making. Yeah. And he went on to like continue to send bad emails defaming our client, which made it even worse. That's crazy. And mm -hmm. also just like, yeah, as an employers don't have the right to get in people's personal email, do they? <laughs> well, so... I mean, it's debatable. Okay. It's okay. not look at the end of the day, generally speaking, right? Like if you're using your work computer, there's certainly an argument to be made that if you leave something open, maybe. But here's the analogy that a colleague of mine drew for me when I was looking at this issue. Because there are some federal statutes that prohibit you from snooping private email, right? Now, those statutes arguably could be. 
they prohibit you from breaking into the email, right? Which is different. I don't agree with that though. I think it's kind of like this. If I go up to your, your house to, to see if you're home and I knock on your door and you're not there, but your door is kind of open a little bit, I don't have the right to go in and start rummaging through your stuff, even though your door is open a little bit. I may have the right to go in and check out what's going on, but then I got to get out of there and I got to let you know, right? I got to lock the door. I can't go in and, and take money or get information and use it against you. And that's kind of the analogy I thought of because my client, he was using the company computer and he logged into his Yahoo account, but he just didn't log out. They even once they were in the Yahoo account and they realized, oh shit, this is his private email. He didn't lock. I don't think they had the right to be in there anymore. That's my viewpoint. And I'm a, yeah. and I represent employers, but I think what they did there was incorrect. Now, is that a statement of the law? There's plenty of lawyers that'll tell you no, if you're using the work computer, they can do whatever they want. Yeah. Besides breaking in, maybe yeah. viable arguments too. But under this scenario, the bigger issue wasn't the email, although that was an issue. The bigger issue was using the information in the email to then defame my client to people, his contacts in the industry. Yeah. That was the problem. That's just horrible too. Terrible. That's, that's terrible. terrible. I, I, terrible. I, and just bad business practice. Bad business. I, all like, the way around. Even my worst employees of all time, I'm like, I'm still treat them nice once they leave. Right. <laughs> Unless they've done something like kidnap your child or something, uh, just be nice. Yeah. I mean, look, I tell this all the time that you want to prevent employment law claims, have good culture. Yeah. Good culture trumps everything else. That's awesome. That is a great piece of advice. And you saved the best piece of advice for last. <laughs> yeah. Good, good culture. I mean, we yeah. work on it here. Um, and for my team that's watching this, I will never snoop your private emails. I don't even go in your, your business emails unless... Well, unless you're gone or missing or something, uh, but that's a whole nother story. But, uh, <laughs> um, but Michael, this has been awesome. Mike, this right. is fantastic. So yeah, tell me about know. your podcast. You, you have a, you've, you've been podcasting for a while. Yeah, I've been podcasting four to five years. This is my second podcast and second iteration. The podcast is called the Quarter Four Podcast, where I cover the intersection between business and sports, and I try to talk to people in the sports world that have kind of meshed those two things in a great way. So I've been fortunate enough to have some amazing guests um, in my short-lived podcasting career. And so it's available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else where anybody gets their pods. Yeah. And you had Pat Williams on, who's been on my show too. He's a great guest. He's, I love Pat. Yeah. Pat was amazing. We did that at his house. It was fantastic. Yeah. Me too. Um, I oh, probably, really? <laughs> I probably just missed you. <laughs> yeah, probably. Great, great guy. Yeah, I've had Pat Williams, uh, Michael Lombardi twice, AJ nice. twice, Coach Moss, uh, Jeff Darlington, who was amazing, uh, who told a great story about chasing down Brett Favre. I won't give it away, but if you listen to the pod, it's hysterical. Oh, um, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, mm -hmm. and Adam Grossman is the vice president of the Boston Red Sox. So I've been fortunate to meet some really cool people who, who've been very generous with their time to talk to kind of a, you know, non-major media outlet like myself. So, and what, what's been the biggest thing you've learned from your podcast? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I pick up kind of a different tidbit in terms of like getting to where you want to get to from a professional standpoint, right. From each person, everybody's kind of got 
some little quirk that happened in their life that got them to where they need to be. You know, like with Jeff Darlington, you know, he tells this amazing story about like really trying to sniff out Brett Favre potentially going to the Dolphins, you know, and, and that type of work ethic, right? Like and sometimes when I'm getting a little like lazy, I think, man, Jeff Darlington like hiked his ass all the way to wherever, nowhere in Mississippi to just to meet Brett Favre for two seconds. Like I can work a little harder, right? Yeah. Or, um, you know, like culture building that I learned from Michael Lombardi, right? Who spent so many years with Belichick and Bill Walsh and Al Davis, you know, how culture kind of really, you have to, you have to create it. And it sort of trumps everything, right? It trumps talent. And you, you don't only have to preach it, though. You have to actually embody the culture. So I, I learned a lot from everybody. There's always a little nugget from someone. That's awesome. Well, definitely have to check it out. It's on Spotify. We'll put the link in the show notes. Appreciate it. Uh, and we'll put the link in YouTube if you're watching this on YouTube. If you're not watching this on YouTube, you need to watch it on YouTube just to see my face halfway, like my <laughs> facial expression. It's cool. You tell me the stuff because I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but Michael and mlelawfirm.com, you're in Fort Lauderdale, correct? Fort Lauderdale. And you can find me on Instagram at Melkins, M E L K I N S, the number one, Melkins one. And I'm on LinkedIn as Michael Elkins as well. So. All right, Michael. Well, we'll make sure to check you out there. Um, and obviously if you're, if you have a real employment law issue, you're not just upset because the, you have the wrong flavor of juice at your office, uh, go <laughs> chat, give Michael a call. Um, and Michael em employment law too, it, it's, it's a national thing. You can cover it nationally, right? It's usually federal law, correct? Um, so it, it is a federal law, but it, every state kind of has their own variation on those laws, but I encourage everyone to, to reach out to me. Um, uh, my email is Melkins at M L E lawfirm.com. I encourage people to reach out because if I can't help you, I can get you to somebody who can. Awesome. And for awesome. employers, uh, primarily, you know, as well, feel free to reach out to me also. Awesome. Well, Mike, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It was great. Lots of fun. Lots of fun. And, and uh, thank you all for taking Mike and I on our journey. This has been Iron Garlic and True Law Stories. True Law Stories has been brought to you by videocasestory.com. Testimonials stink. No one wants to watch a testimonial or read a case study. You need video case stories for your business. Go to videocasestory.com to learn more.